right, welcome back, y'all. This is our first. Uh, this is our first mini so in a while. Been a long time. Long time. Long time. Been a. Been a been a weird time we probably should have been doing more mini so write that down ted write that down as an idea of another thing <laughs> to improve this very mediocre nba podcast that we do uh, welcome back y'all this is nba the podcast that tries to talk about nba shit but mostly we just talk a lot of shit um the 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 shit talking will continue this week but this week we've got a special guest um a returning guest um somebody who is um, I don't know that he's better looking than my brother, but um, definitely taller and uh, much better at playing the guitar. Uh, we have one Kelly Dwyer joining <laughs> us this week to talk about the 90s Bulls and all other sorts of shit related to the Bulls and the 90s and all all things related. Maybe we'll get into grunge. Who knows? Welcome back to the podcast, <laughs> Mr. Kelly Dwyer. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. I'm 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 hopeless with grunge, but if you if you if you want to talk about uh, uh, you know Boston pop alt music from the early '90s, I'm your guy. If you want to do some Juliana Hatfield stuff, I'm around. <laughs> you just push my buttons, Kelly. <laughs> uh, love it, love it. Well, I'm your host, Jay Kiles, uh, aka Dicky. Um, <laughs> motherfucker dude i had one i had one i was gonna do something related to dickie simpkins um and i lost it i had it it doesn't matter anyways i'm your host shake aka dickie simpkins we're just gonna roll with that um and uh my brethren with far less melanin introduce yourself sir <laughs> what's up it's tad uh aka austin clothier aka greg osterstrudel Okay. Okay. Don't love the second one, but we'll, we'll, uh, I digress. the second one is, is just, is just low hanging fruit. Not, it's not great. It's not great. <laughs> um, welcome back, Kelly. Per usual, we love having you on the podcast. And, um, today's topic is, is this is your, this is your lane. And, and you've been talking about it, um, on your podcast, on your blog for the listeners. If you haven't had a chance yet, I highly recommend that you check out the second arrangement. Not only Kelly's content, but he will he will soothe your ears with a podcast where he strums he strums up there it is. Do you hear it? Oh baby, there it is. It's just beautiful. Where else are you gonna get that? Nowhere. Come on. Come on. I'm Can so happy you just did that. <laughs> and he's dropped. Well, that's officially the new MBA uh, podcast intro song. Thank you very much, Kelly. <laughs> uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't say it. Kelly, happy belated, sir. Oh, cheers. Yes, I'm finally, <laughs> after after 20, let's say 36 years of acting like a 40-year-old straight out of senior kindergarten, I'm finally 40 <laughs> years old. The Oregon Trail generation is is uh, is ready to talk about the '90s. Let's do it. Well, um, I love teach, it. Let's teach the millennials. It. You know, they teach us about all the good things, like uh, actually experiencing things and being honest <laughs> and open about who you are. And sure. we get to teach them about. Remember that time with Carmen Electra? <laughs> <laughs> Value on both sides. Value on both sides. Well, Tad, let's get into <laughs> it. Let's let's talk about the '90s. Let's talk about the '90s Bulls. Let's let's get into it friend yeah 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 let me pull my notes back up because i had to save austin clothier i couldn't remember i couldn't remember <laughs> that one off the bell so uh kelly man okay look i'm 29 years old i was uh, i was born in 1991 so my memory i vaguely remember jordan playing the supersonics and by that i mean i remember that they played each other 
uh, in the finals. And I remember, I remember, you know, uh, I remember a little bit about the Jazz series, both of them, but not a ton. I certainly don't remember 91 because I was just born. Um, and I, I definitely don't remember 92 or 93 outside of just like stuff I've seen. I've watched a lot of the games online. I've played the video games, what have you. Um, but man, I, I don't know. Like you just want to open it up. Just talk, talk a little bit about, about what basketball was like in the 1990s. It was great. It was so great. I mean, I was from Chicago and then, then the suburbs. So it was like my favorite team had this guaranteed MF of a player that was just going to guarantee this stuff. And it was – even when all the Detroit stuff was happening, <clears throat> the first playoff series I remember is the first – or the playoff run I remember is 88 where they fell to Detroit in the second round. And even with that, it was just like, uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait. And then the 90s maybe, and then the 90s hit. And it was like, yeah, yeah, pretty much every time he wants to play, they're going to win. It was – it was really incredible. I, I made note of trying to document every bit of it because it was like I wasn't wearing a bull's hat around or anything like that. It was, it was going to get crazy with things, but it was still like, this is like he walked up to Carl Malone and said, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. And then the guy nicknamed the mailman missed some free throws. And then Michael Jordan, like it was just a, a, an insane too icky for Hollywood story happening with every every new thing it was just oh i bet he's going to come back and they're going to win like a million games this next year yeah he did that it was it was weird it was it was like it's one of those documentaries where everything's like kind of really black and white where it's just like this man upset me and then michael jordan dominated this thing upset me and then michael jordan dominated it was like living through that it was it was just non-stop terror that happened to you know I was I was on the right side of it and then you and then you get Rodman for three years it was like I can understand why there would be no one on earth rooting for them toward the end of it but then again who are you going to root for Indiana or Utah no no thank you we just watched that documentary we saw kind of what kind of haircuts were cheering back and forth then no it was <laughs> it was it was good to be the bad guy it was fun to be on top of the hill it was great to be all of that and every junior cheeks hurt from smiling it was it was i, I cannot recommend it enough and uh all the junk they've done in the years since then hasn't dimmed my appreciation one bit like i'm fine that bulls team is a train wreck but i'm, I'm just like ah, eh. remember bill cartwright <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, question for you. Question for you. So, of the teams that the Bulls, I would say that that, that the Bulls primarily came up against during that period in very hard-fought, contentious series. Let's say Pistons, Pacers, Knicks. How would you rank them in terms of your hatred for those teams during that time period? In order from one to three. Oh, I mean, because that's a different kind of hate. Because the Knicks was. Detroit was hate because it was like, God, you okay, this is going to happen, but can you guys just make it suck less? Like, do you have to try to ruin someone's career? Right. Oh, now you're going to walk off. The, it was really like, really, got, like the entire time. And Jenny was just like, this, this is inevitable, but can we just be cool? And the Knicks were grudging respect. There wasn't hatred. It was just like, man, these guys could come in and whoop the Bulls' ass for a week and this series could be over. And that could be a bummer, but that's how it is. 
Indiana was different because they were prissy little farm boys and Chuck person kicked the ball into the stands in Chicago stadium one time when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And that, and then all of a sudden Reggie Miller's, it didn't even make the playoffs the year before it. So no, Indiana, they went to seven, but like, who cares? Like, I'm not upset that Reggie Miller pushed off. You don't call that, but it, it was, it was frightening to the extent that, oh, the Bulls could lose this game because Scotty Pippen could go five for 12 at the free throw line or something horrible could happen. But the Knicks were scary. The Knicks were like, oh, we could never win a game again against these guys. It was like we could play the – the Bulls could play incredible basketball and Jordan could do everything right, but the Knicks could just – that's how basketball is in 48 minutes. The Knicks were a tier above. They really were. Indiana was, was a blip – was a blip. They had the fifth best point differential in the league that year. Get get, get out of here with your pinstripes. When they shaved their head, <laughs> it was also like, okay, this is again <laughs> like out of the 1992 playbook, and you're trying this in 1998. Like, isn't isn't that something <laughs> that like the Jerome Percy Trailblazers did or something? It was just they were so old even then. See, it's funny. It's funny it's, to me that you say that because, like, the the Knicks, like Tad, like I'm I'm only a couple years older than him, and like I was always familiar with the early '90s Knicks because the the early '90s Knicks were like the the reinvention, like the like the bad boy Pistons 2.0 almost, in the in the physicality and the way that they played defense and like the way that they would start fight with fights with us. Where when I became more of an avid Bulls fan, when I was actually able to appreciate the games at that point, like the only person in the NBA to hate was Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers. So it's always interesting to hear from like the perspective of somebody who uh, came a little bit earlier than that, than Tad and myself. It was just, uh, they were just annoying. They weren't ever as good <laughs> as the Knicks and they were just always around. And then they made a bunch of noise when Jordan was away and then <laughs> they disappeared for a year. And then it was, they were just annoying. And it's annoying that they almost, <coughs> excuse me, lost to them. But, you know, it was – Jackson made a good point about being ready to lose or just understanding that that game could – it could go either way. It's, a, it's one basketball game. And weirdly, without ever knowing that he said that, I, I kind of had that same feeling. Like, I just was – it was just mellow with that game. It was like, oh, the Bulls could lose this. It could go cold, go bad. It's a bummer that it has to be Indiana, but I'm not going to gnash too much about it. Uh, but then they won. It, it's, it's, there wasn't ever a lot of time to worry. You know, see, like this is actually a, a good, a good segue into this because there's a debate that we've had on this podcast. Uh, so recently what we've been doing is we've been recapping uh, NBA seasons uh, or trying to anyway, since from the, 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 from Jordan's retirement uh, to the current season. And we're, we're on, what, what year are we on? J 2007 now? 2007, 2008 will be this week, yeah. So this week we'll do, we're doing 2007, 2008. However, several episodes ago, we obviously Reggie Miller. If you're going to talk late 90s, early 2000s, you got to talk Reggie Miller. I am vehement in my belief that Reggie Miller might be the most overrated Hall of Fame basketball player of all time. I think, and I think absolutely insane. And I think that if Reggie Miller is in the Hall of Fame, Sean Marion should 100% be in the Hall of Fame. I am curious to know what you think. Like, like, where does Reggie Miller, like, like, I mean, he, he was only two, two time all NBA guy. Like, I mean, he was a great player. Sure. But 
I like I'm about the Hall of Fame thing and Reggie Miller. So I'm just kind of curious to know what what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, if if it's not anything really, all you had to do is look at the stats. It's like, well, he had like eight points less than Jordan, but also half as many assists and half as many. You know, it's just he was a second-tier shooting guard, but he also he talked a big game, but it was never about his game. It was just about like when the pressure's on, I'm gonna be there. And he did follow through on that. Does that make him better than basketball players that are better than him? No, <laughs> that, that doesn't do anything, but make him a really fun guy to have on your side and a real pain in the butt to, to have to go against and, and watch. The Hall of Fame thing, I mean, I can't even, that's like complaining to me about like what, what the highest rated television show is. They, they don't even have ratings anymore, but like it's, it's so... <laughs> fundamentally screwed that I can't even get into it, but I can talk player to player. And yeah, Sean Marion had the, uh, you know, at, at worst on par career with Reggie, Reggie earned points for being the best player on a bunch of really, 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 really consistently good teams. And also some underrated teams. Those Oh four. I mean, I thought they were going to make the finals the year that, that our test went uh, when the mouse yeah. and the palace year four or five, uh, they, I thought they were going to make the finals during the lockout year, and they, you know, should have got that close against the beat-up Knicks teams. Uh, but, you know, they, they had Isaiah was their coach for a couple of years, which those teams should have done better. They only – you guys did this. They only beat them – you know, they almost beat the Nets that one year. Yep. Um, you know, he was just he, – he, I, I can't believe I'm defending him, but I'm just kind of scraping the barrel for the stuff I, I should say about him. He kept those teams in games. And, uh, you know, he got the most out of what he had. But, no, I mean, it's like he is absolutely a media creation, but I'm okay with it because I don't have the volume up on TNT games. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I think a part of my sticking point with Reggie, too, is that I feel bad for Kevin Harlan, who I love, that he gets stuck with him for every game. But, you know, I mean, I, I digress. Um, you know yeah, what? I'll take that. Gets to watch the Chiefs for the next ten years. I think he'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be a okay. <laughs> I think you're you're probably right, but I I will, uh, our, Kelly. Based on that, I will I will concede, uh, and I I will I will lay off Reggie Miller on this podcast. I will adopt no, the no, same no, strategy. No, 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 keep it up. It's just uh, you know, in order <laughs> to fill up the uh, the the block there, I couldn't be like, yep, ditto. It's it's you know he. You got to give credit to someone who was there and no one missed a game that year in Indiana and they played their tails off and, you know, the Bulls had to screw a lot up, but again, I'm not, I almost respect at this point, the push off because it's just like, do what you got to do, man. Put it in the ref's hands and oh, yeah. the refs did what they did. Blue the court. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, it's a blatant foul, but like, look, like, I mean, like you said, you got to do what you got to do. Like yeah. if it's, it's the end of the game. It's a big game. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I'm yes. doing that every time. And I'll dare you to call it. Got to definite your free throws. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure this, that sound bite gets to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay, do you have anything? Do you want to talk? Do you have anything? To say no, it's, it's, I will say it is like, obviously we're talking about the nineties, but like, as, as Tad mentioned, we've been talking about the, the early two thousands 
Um, and we actually had that very same conversation that you just brought up, Kelly, where like that early 2000s Pacers team where you've got like such a deep roster with guys like Steven Jackson, Al Harrington, like you've got uh, uh, like Jalen Rose for a period there. And like, well, I guess he's gone at that point. But then you've got like uh, a small period of Brad Miller and then Ron Artest and <laughs> the Bulls scraps basically from that shit trade that got us Jalen Rose. Uh, but like the, the team, I'm curious from, from your perspective, if the malice of the palace, if we erase that from, from history, do you foresee the Indiana Pacers actually being the Detroit Pistons of that early 2000s period? Like, is there a chance? Oh, it would have been, you know, the ugliest coin flip in the world. It, it, I, <laughs> I, I picked them. Uh, that was my first year as uh, uh, being my soul patch at, 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 at SI.com <laughs> at the magazine, but the website, and I picked them to make finals that year. I wasn't alone. Yeah. Because Detroit was great. No one knew that Rashid was uh, going to keep it together. And it was just, uh, yeah, I would have absolutely, they were a really good deep team and all those other teams. It's not just us. I'm not just going off of, Look at on paper and look at all those names they had all at once. It really was. If you watched those games, and they were a really fun team to watch. Jeff Foster dunking on people. Uh, they they genuinely were like, why aren't they winning more? What is I say? Why doesn't he use Brad Miller more? What is I? You know, it just it was. And then they got uh, not California. They got uh, Carlisle, and Carlisle. it just was like, why didn't they hire this guy straight from the start? Um, he went off to Carolina, went off to Seattle to work with Kevin Calabro as one of Seattle's last play-by-play teams. He was fantastic. It was like, oh, there's a genius talking about sports. Why isn't this guy a coach? But yeah, Indiana was, was I, very, very in it, very in it. I it would have been interesting to see. We didn't know that the Spurs would develop like crazy that year. It's hard to sure. go against that Spurs defense in 05. Oh my God. But but you know, it's 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 it was just a handful of super ugly teams that all had a chance in the in uh, what turned out to be the ugliest seven game final series ever. <laughs> that that's what that was the conclusion that we came to. What's <laughs> the same thing? It was just what <laughs> yeah. uh it's just it's it's a blip on my radar in a in a in a final series that frankly I don't remember. Good. Yeah, yeah, honestly, <laughs> same. Um. I will I will pull us I will pull us back a decade and, and get us back to, to the nineties. Uh so obviously the the ninety five, ninety six team won seventy two games. Uh and I'm not gonna sit here and do that debate that everybody does these days, which is the Warriors uh seventy three win season versus the Bulls season. But was that ninety five, ninety six Bulls team the best Bulls team of the of the decade, in your opinion? Of the decade, I would yeah. I would have to yeah, because Pippen Pippen fell apart partway through that season. So at its peak, at its core, you know, you get them on a, on a good December or January during that year. And I don't think any team touches that. <clears throat> if you just, if you just bring, bring some team for some team in for seven games, whether it's the 92 bulls or the 68 sixers or the warriors or the 97 bulls with bison daily, who, <laughs> you know, Reggie Miller's famed 98 Pacers who are clearly the better team according to Reggie Miller. Yeah. I think <laughs> I just, you bring anyone in there during that peak. And, you know, we were all watching the Warriors at that peak and watching it over and over and over again. But I just don't see how they get away from those arms. It's just 6'6", six, six, Ron Harper, 6'6", six, six, Michael Jordan, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, Rodman. It's listed at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, you know, Luke was actually good. It was, it was a crazy, crazy long team that could play any style. 
And uh, yeah, I, I would go with that little blip there before Scotty's back fell apart uh, as, as better than any basketball team I've ever seen. Wow. That is a very ringing endorsement. I love that. <laughs> the Warriors are right there. I'm not like, I, you know, before LeBron started taking 60 games off a year and showing up to games with a wine glass in his hand, I was a okay with getting ready to go. Oh yeah. LeBron is going to be the greatest or is the great, whatever. Like I'm, not I do not mind knocking the Bulls. I didn't. I was happy when the Warriors won that many games because it was like just great basketball and players that want to do it. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with it. I I do not mind them getting knocked off a pedestal. I and I you know it's it's hard for me to with the red and black you know bed sheets as it seems. I don't have red and black bed sheets. I promise. <laughs> uh, to, to, you know it's it seems easy for me to to. to I promise I'm being honest about that. I would be ready to go with the Warriors if I felt it. Uh, but no, those two months in 95, 96, it, it, it was something special. It, it, it is really hard to debate that. I will say like during like watching the last dance and then like ESPN has been playing a lot of classic games and then YouTube is just a bevy of free games, which shout out to YouTube uh, like they need it. Um, but it, it's, it's an if you don't shout them out. They might not know that. No, <laughs> it's, it's interesting watching like the difference in style of play between those latter bulls teams and the earlier bulls teams because in the early 90s period you really get this like peak athleticism jordan and peak athleticism pippen and like young horace grant for this like this latter 90s portion where you've got like i don't want to call him weathered because like jordan retired four years older than i am today which i would i would <laughs> i would hope that nobody would call me weathered um but in any case, like, it's just such a weird dichotomy of like, shut up, Ted. Uh, it's just such a weird dichotomy of like, this like, very calculated, like, uh, uh, thoughtful NBA team that was like, veteran, like, heavy and, and moved a lot slower versus like, watching these early 90s team where it's just like, like the 91 team, for example, is just like, the, the, the athleticism of that team was just far and away, just the 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 best of of the teams uh throughout that period and just kind of like the games that i've watched uh and rewatched over the last couple of weeks but uh yeah it's hard to argue with that record it's hard to argue with what you just said because if you it's almost like it feels like you had to be there situation and maybe part of it is just straight up the difference might be you know Horace Grant is definitely better at putting up stats and slam dunking on a fast break and, and looking like the Doberman out there, like you mentioned, but just Horace versus Rodman. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Horace is coming out of that. Okay. That's, that might be the difference for me. As are silly you, as it seems. Are you not in the camp of Rodman was like a, a stat hunting rebounder? He was, but it was okay. I mean, in the triangle, there was room for that. And, uh, uh, I talked to uh, Coach Van Gundy, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, about this. It was just he, the offensive rebounds were such a force because the triangle and the mix of the triangle of and, and the defense you had to play back then, the man-to-man having to stay on everyone. It was such an it was such an advantage to have someone who could tilt the game like that. Uh, so you know that he that he was letting. B.J. Armstrong get, you know, those open jumpers because he wasn't closing out. You know what? Yeah, that's fine. But, like, even at his best, even at his most, uh, you know, I'm going to be Mr. Detroit defensive guy, I don't know if he could have pulled that off because he was old and he tore up his knee in 97. He tore his MCL. So I I wasn't – it was annoying at times, but it was just like that's what he's there for, to end possessions and to get new ones on the offensive end. 
you know, Bill Bill Simmons, uh, who I, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't know what kind of relationship you have with Bill Simmons, so I'm not gonna try to. You know, I won't say too much. But him and him and Ryan Rosillo uh, were talking on on Bill's podcast, and he said they said that Dennis Rodman um, is not that interesting, uh, which. I, I fundamentally disagree with, but I'm just curious, you know, if maybe you have a, a different take here. Well, on one level, I can go, it's 1995. I'm a freshman in high school. I'm watching Dennis Rodman, the San Antonio Spur talk with Roy Firestone, with whom he's, I'm sure he's talked before. And he's wearing the Pearl Jam T-shirt that now everyone got to see in the ESP in the Last Dance bit, and he's got the hair and he's got the hat. And I'm watching and I'm going, man, this guy is like, dude, this stuff is from like 1992. But I appreciate it for a jock. He's pulling it off. Good for him. Good for him. So I'm like, I can get that bit of snobbery to him, and that the idea that lo, these many years later, showing up in a wedding dress to a promotional appearance for your book is silly and and that it's certainly not <laughs> devoid of tackiness but dennis rodman is one of the most fascinating individuals i've been lucky enough to share a lifetime with uh he's been uh and i'm i'm absolutely blessed to have him in my life completely letting me rethink the way things are done how the that the idea of jockdom and <clears throat> having to have rules be the same for everyone is you know, it doesn't mean he was making the right move or it was the right idea to skip practice and do that, but it was just that he's puncturing a hole there. I needed that. It's absolutely shaped how I've looked at sports. It's absolutely shaped how I've looked at individuals. It's absolutely shaped how I've uh, worked and tried to argue on behalf of the individuals that perform night to night that have to go into these cities and perform like they're on stage. Uh, so yes, I do find him very interesting. I don't, I'm not going to confuse interesting with uh, uh, defensible or, uh, you know, it's, 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 no, you're not gonna click on every link for Dennis Rodman the same way you would, in, you wouldn't even do it in 1996, okay? Like the Bulls are my favorite team, but like the cover of Rolling Stone that Dennis was on, I was like, mm, I'd still rather appear from a musician here instead of having them follow Dennis Rodman around and do things. Right. I've already heard before like it he wasn't ever i'm not arguing that he's super cool back then and i'm not arguing that he hasn't made some missteps that we all know in the time since then or that carmen Electra was like you know carmen Electra was a was a baywatch uh actress it was, she was not you know the height of cool god bless her from cincinnati worked at king's island uh you know had a real jam with prince like she had a song that was on the jukebox really 90s before she got into the silly acting stuff so respect the cincinnati board Common Electra, but like he was never cool. He's a jock. And, you know, why does everything have to be black and white like that? I don't know. Bill's got to fill up time. If he's annoyed with him, if he's tired of him, that's fine. But to make blanket statements like that is silly because I got news for you. There's no one more annoying than Dane Cook. There's no one more whatever than Dane Cook. But, you know, Dane Cook is like funny, though. Like if you're at a diner with Dane Cook, He's probably going to make you laugh a couple times. You don't have to be make these gigantic statements all the time with your buddy Ryan. You can just keep that to yourself. But that's just that's just me. I got blocked by Bill on Twitter uh, probably about ten years ago. <laughs> wow. 
Well, <laughs> there we go. Man, I think we, I think we know uh, that. Should have known. I, I'm just answering your first question. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I really do. Yeah. I also appreciate the very, uh, the very nuanced take there. Like that, that was, uh, you know, it, it's that was that was very succinct. I think, and it, it was like that's very interesting. Like the way that you sort of put that out there. That like, yeah, it's not black and white, and like. Uh, yes, he is a, a fascinating human being, and yes, like I, I think he sort of broke through that 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 like general mold, right? That like you know athletes uh, are are a certain way. So okay. no, I, I really I really appreciate that. How about this? If I can, here's a Bill Simmonsism, and I do not do I'm not doing this to make fun of him. I do not listen to his podcast. Uh, I I I am I have been a fan of his writing. I wish he would write more. In fact, and he's given some incredible people. Uh, some uh, some room to do some fantastic work at a website that we all love. Let's make let's put this in Bill Simmons's uh, strain of thinking. I am not a Pearl Jam fan, okay, but I have liked Pearl Jam. They have their ups and downs. Uh, I'm not as big on Ten as everyone else is because I was around for that, and you really didn't have to buy Ten, the first album, because all those songs were just always around. Second album. Great, whatever. Don't really listen to it past junior high. Third album, great, whatever. But I do like that album out of nowhere that they had that song on that they put at the end of that documentary. And I really do like that. Now, I'm not going to go watch them at Wrigley Field. And I'm not going to argue that everyone should go watch the four-hour Pearl Jam documentary. And I'm not going to argue for whatever random-ass album that they put out in 2002 and 2012 and the time they went to North Korea. It's just that if people keep living, and I'm so happy that Dennis Rodman is living because even forgetting Auburn Hills, there were a million other times where that was in question whether or not he was going to push onward. I'm so glad he's been around to just make those terrible missteps because it means he's still here. And I'd relate to Dennis Rodman as well, probably more than any other player, not because he wore a Pearl Jam t-shirt. I never had a Pearl Jam t-shirt because that's too uncool for me. But he cried during those interviews. And not because at the big Michael Jordan crying parts, not at the big crescendo parts, but at the, oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That moves me enough to cry about. I mean, that's the on edge that he's at. That's where he's at. And I, I relate to that because that's very human. Uh, but you know, not every Pearl Jam album is a five-star winner. I don't want to say I told you so, but we did end up talking about grunge. So uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we... <laughs> oh, I'm good. That's literally the longest I've talked about Pearl Jam in my life since, since the year 1996. This is what we do at NBA. We pull, we pull, we pull things out of the interviewee. That's what we do. We just we ask the hard-hitting questions, and here's what we get, what we want. The, the, the I sometimes day. don't know how we get to where we're going. Like a lot of times on this podcast, like we start talking about, so like we're we're talking about Pearl Jam, and you know, it, if you would have said the departed, it would have ended up there too because we brought up Bill Simmons to send it away there. I'm just you know, <laughs> oh man. So you've mentioned Dennis Rodman a few times, Kelly. Of the of the like non big three or like the non let's say excluding Michael Dennis and Scotty, who was like your guy during this decade? Tell me it was PJ. Uh, <laughs> no, it was the guy that replaced him. 
And thank God, because B.J. Armstrong would not have blocked Stockton's uh, shot in game six in 98. No, it was Ron Harper. Ron Harper uh, remains to this day my favorite basketball player of all time uh, because he – Wow. Uh, yeah, sort of, to gosh, then and now. Uh, you know, no one's ever going to pick Jordan. Uh, and he was just – he. I had no idea what happened to Montanelli. I knew he blew out his knee and that uh, he used to be this guy that was awesome on the Cavaliers, but that was ages ago. And then he showed up in the Bulls and he was out of shape. And he didn't know how to understand the triangle. Who among us? And then he joined the Breakfast Club and started rocking out with Pippen and Jordan and lifting weights. And uh, they got rid of Armstrong because he was going to make too much money. And he turned his entire game and career around and gave himself up for bailed out shot clocks with three pointers that he knew wasn't going to go in. Uh, you know, guarded the toughest guy every time out, had to be the guy that was always playing if Scotty was hurt, uh, you know, ran an offense that 14 months earlier he had no idea about, uh, just gave it all up for the city. And, uh, yeah, to, to this day, uh, uh, Rodden Harper is just uh, a- absolutely my guy. Also had the best quote of the entire documentary. So, uh, Which one? Get, uh, probably the fuck this bullshit. That was probably my favorite one. Um, oh, because right up there is when they were in Orlando going on like golf carts, and he's and he like he's the last golf cart. And he goes, "This bud's for you." Oh yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then and then along those same lines, there was also back in the locker room late in the '98 season where Pippen's complaining half-heartedly about don't chew the you know the chokes, drinking Miller Lights. Oh yeah, it's like I don't give you guys go whatever you want i don't care i I'm love fine. it i, love I got it. a starting job with the chicago no he's just, and uh you know if you want to talk about last dance stuff it absolutely would have been worth you know the story i just told about him coming back you know they left him uh you know ready to be grabbed by the toronto raptors in the expansion draft but toronto didn't want him because he made too much money so, you know, toss it. he's got issue he overcame a speech impediment overcame the cl tear banished to the clippers you know, he could have gotten that flashback, but, uh, you know, we didn't get it. Yeah. Ah, you know, someday, was, someday. Also was, featured on a prominently on was, an episode was, of Keenan and Kel. Let's not forget that. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, I forget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Flipped on the orange sword of probably how he tore his ACL. <laughs> That's how he tore his ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling around. What was oh, it God. unfair that him, that Ron Harper and Luke Longley didn't get more coverage? And Tony Kukoc, by extent. I know they talked about two Kukoc with the Dream Team stuff, but people forget that, like, in those final series against Utah, Kukoc was efficient as hell and put up some big numbers. And what, like, I mean, I, I know, I, I know the documentary is, hey, I don't, people don't forget about how great Jordan was. I know that. I know that's the intention of the documentary. But was it unfair to Ron Harper and Luke Longley that they didn't get enough credit? I mean, I don't think they're complaining. And Luke wanted, Luke obviously did not want to be interviewed about this because I'm sure they would have loved to involve Luke Longley's, uh, you know, drool, dry Aussie witticisms. Uh, he would have been, I think he didn't want anything to do with it. And he's buddies with Phil Jackson to this day. It's just, I just didn't think he wanted to be part of the of the meme factory that became the last dance. You can see his, uh, you know, big red beard on TV saying something funny and all of a sudden it's used for God knows what else. It's, it's, just making a joke about uh harper you know i think i'm sure he's fine he also you know he was the second highest paid player on that team for a few of those years so 
I think he's cool with it. Harp's harp. He's uh, I don't I don't know what's bothered him in the last thirty years. So Kukoc is a is a drag, you know. Uh, as uh, our friend Andy Dolan mentioned, not only because they filmed him at about ankles level and got, just basically filmed his big European jeans before they uh, got to Tony. <laughs> But yeah, they they left it like, oh, here's this guy that was did this thing in '92 and then occasionally showed up. But it's yeah, he he kept him in the game in Game Five. He won them Game Seven and at least kept him around in the third quarter. Uh, the Pacers have been killing him in the third quarter a couple games before that. And he was a masterful player that got the the shaft <laughs> every you know got the team all to himself in the lockout year. Then they traded, then they you know drafted a power forward to knock him out, and then they traded him to go play with Allen Iverson. So you know, <laughs> have a good time, Tony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one. Uh, it, one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, just to to kind of round this this little bit out, but like, I mean, who is the most unsung player? Like, who does? Who gets? who deserves more credit than they get for those late nineties bulls team? Cause I always have always felt like Luke Longley just never gets his due. I'm just curious to know what you think. Uh, Luke, Luke worked his tail off. Luke absolutely worked his tail off. And uh, yeah, it could have looked like, you know, he could have played a little angrier at times, but like Jordan was singing his praises toward the end of that last season. Uh, Jordan was saying really nice things about him. Uh, I, you know, the, the obvious answer is Scottie Pippen because he just, with him, that team was just world-class. He was just supremely overqualified to be doing that, but also it couldn't have been, he was destined for that role. He, yes, he took them to 50, whatever wins in 94, but he needed someone to hit a shot. Yet that was just not his thing. Uh, it was it was two different lines of thinking, I suppose. One is you always had Jordan in your back pocket, and you got to the edge of fear, but you never really embraced it because it was just like Jordan could do some what <laughs> what Dwayne Wade would go on to do. <laughs> he could always be that. It could always be just lowering the shoulders and making a mockery. You know, just you ever turn it into one of those uh, pickup games where it's it's someone's it's it's game it's it's shot for the game wherever you're playing to 21, 11, and this guy's about to hit a game winner. So you just follow him and then, okay, follow, cool. They get out back to the same guy, follow him again, back to the same guy. You know, it's just in a game that could go, he just, he could turn it into a nonsense. Like he's playing against the other half of the 92 dream team. There was always that in the back pocket that he could transcend in a way that was almost kind of skeevy. And he kind of got to that in game seven against Indiana, all those free throws. You always have that in your back pocket. So in basketball terms, it was Pippen because he did everything. But in ethereal terms, which oh, that's a, I've been trying to not be as cle- a sports writer cliche my entire life, but there was that there with him because I, I don't know what to compare it to because I don't know if anyone's ever got to enjoy that feeling as followers of that team got to enjoy. I don't know if it's a football or baseball. So the Russell Celtics, I feel like it had to be something different because they were so far advanced than the other team. Whereas yeah. you could look at Utah, 62 wins, 64 wins, 62 wins. So yeah, the, the, the basketball answer is Pippen. The what in the world answer is, as always, is Michael Jordan. That's fair. One, fair enough. Uh, one, one guy who hasn't come up yet, but did feature prominently in, in the, the last 
really throughout the entirety of the documentary, but in the, the second to last episode with Steve Kerr and uh, Tad, myself and, and, and my brother had a, had a conversation the other day and I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. So the, I asked the question, do you think that Steve Kerr enjoyed being a part of the three-peat that was the Chicago Bulls more or less than he enjoyed coaching three championship teams um, in the Warriors. And and, in saying that, I mean like the entirety of the experience of being a part of those two different teams. Oh, I think he'd take the Bulls in a second. I think, I think, I think Phil Jackson would take being a member of the Knicks over coaching the Bulls for six years. I, I, it's, a, you get to go out and do it. You get to go out and kick someone's ass. Right. And B, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to watch tape the next day. You got to show up for when some other guy and his other guys with him are watching tape. And sometimes they'll say something about you once every hour. And you got to nod and pretend like you heard him and say, okay. And then show up for practice. And then the game, and that's it. But no, that's, I'm, I genuinely believe it's the Bulls thing because that's your 20s and 30s. Yeah. And uh you know, it, it, those times were dotted by the occasional uh, four of seven shooting performance where he was absolutely integral to these necessary wins. So I'm sure in a second he'd say the Bulls without, you know, it's whatever team that Clay Thompson goes on to man, coach, I'm sure he'll say that someday. It's, it's, I think that's just how sports is, in my opinion. But I'd sure. love to hear the opposite because it's how great is it to, to, to turn a bunch of able and willing, you know, Steph Curry is a transcendent player. Steph Curry is uh, uh, just the absolute next generation. Imagine if Steve Nash did that all the time. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so I have nothing but great things to say about that. But it's a player; you can control things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a that's a good point because I had I had argued the the opposite. I had I basically said that. Uh, my thought was was you know like um, he sort of orchestrated the whole thing in in uh, in Golden State and you know got all these guys to kind of play to that level. But having said that, I actually think the way that you sort of laid that out, um, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, but also, yeah. what am I projecting there? And and who am I? I'm going off of other athletes. Like, what if it? What if that is Steve Kerr's thing? What if that is his his seriously like that what if that's his gig this yeah. is the guy that went into that job with a binder that he'd been accruing for the last like like a literal binder full of ideas and plays and ideas for for a bunch of different teams maybe that's the thing that that, that gets him giddy more than anything the guy can barely walk and he's still trying to make it to work every day i know it's to coach the, the warriors but you know it's it's each to the, each their own as someone who enjoys, uh, you know, snapping a jump shot in someone's face, I'm I'm gonna choose uh, the first one. I that, that's why I think I'm inclined to agree with you too. Is because, yes, uh, going out there and doing it is a is a lot lot better, a lot more fun, at least in my opinion, personally. Hey, but we're simple men. Steve is is the child of academics, and for all it, you know, for all it, it, it that could be his his line of thinking. Uh, you know, what a wonderful career and. Uh, that genuine, the, the biggest regret of a game that I didn't see live, or by live I mean on TV in my life so far, is uh, his big game against Dallas in 2003. Like, I really wish I just could have seen that out of nowhere. Wasn't rooting for the Spurs, wasn't like the biggest Steve Kerr fan, but that would have just been a wonderful thing just because he, ne- he never got off the bench, and when they did, they, everyone just, never, no one would ever leave him. And he was 36, 37 years old, so he couldn't get open. 
uh, and I was at a concert that night, and a tremendous concert. Don't regret going to it, but really wish I could have seen that. He's a great dude. Uh, his was whole family is fantastic, and I, I couldn't be happier for the success that I'm so happy to pick the Knicks. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody uh, sitting here is going to disagree with that. <laughs> oh, what a disaster that could have been. I guess I just wonder, like, what's less enjoyable, watching film or being punched in the face by Michael Jordan and also being forced to go out with, uh, with Dennis Rodman on a bender one night to make sure that he behaved? Um, actually, the latter <laughs> sounds kind of fun, now that I think about it. Yeah, the latter I, sounds like a great I time. Retract, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> Um, There's an anecdote that I can't, I wish that I've tried archive.org. I've, I've tried, I, I got to get in touch with the guy to, to get it from the source, but Roland Lazenby used to write a notes column for Nando.net, like an early 96, 97. And he had an anecdote about Steve Kerr and Judd Bushler on an outing of their own. Uh, no Rodman, no encouragement from Phil Jackson, uh, but had to be escorted from the uh, uh, strip club because Bushler had made the mistake of getting up on stage and getting on the swing that was there because the strip club had a swing and uh, they were asked to leave after that. And I can't find it for the life of me. It was during the Bulls era. These guys, they got after it. God bless them. What a, I mean, what a life to live where you have like, I've never been to a strip club with a swing. I, I, I have to imagine you have to be of a certain income bracket to afford to enter a, a strip club that has a swing uh, in it. So uh, kudos, kudos to Dud, Judd Bushler and, and Steve Kerr. I- Breaking it in. The thought of that is just so absurd because like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like thinking about like, like, let's be honest, like, like Jed Bushler doesn't look like a, uh, you know, he, he doesn't look no. like a world-class he athlete. Looks like a, and- he looks like a fucking accountant. He, he looks, looks like, like it looks like you're that's yeah. it looks like your dad. It looks like your dad just hopping up on stage like, oh God, whose dad is this? Somebody get this guy's dad off the stage. That's how I felt as a child reading that. Like oh my god. What? <laughs> that's funny. Are you are you sure you didn't mean uh, you know, Dickie Simpkins and uh, you know Roberto Dwight? You sure it wasn't the rookies? Are you okay? No, those two? All right, they didn't throw out their back. I I I think I've got Jay. I don't know if you've got anything, but I got one one kind of last uh, thing just to ask about here. Scotty Burrell didn't watch this documentary, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I just hope like his he, he watched. He like maybe watched that one episode and then was like, "Oh, okay, I I see how this is going." And <laughs> just didn't watch. The rest. I just I mean, he he was very explicit about not filming because his parents were going to see it, and I just really hope that his parents didn't find out about his uh, what sounds like severe alcoholism. Who really knows? <laughs> you know what? I disagree. I think we've all been around guys like Scott Burrell, and like they're just that guy. Like they're just they're the guy that. You know, kind of, kind of smart enough to smart enough to make it, and funny enough to make a joke back, but not really near the joke that was just made. <laughs> and super talented at a lot of things, but not really crazy over the. There's always been one of those guys in every class growing up, and uh, you know, some of those guys get picked on. I think he watched every second of it, and he went home to his. I'm sure carefully tended bank account and stock portfolio and his beautiful wife, uh, I wish, which I can account for uh, a member of the media. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he had the time of his life watching it. I think Andy Dolan uh, from pointless exercise at Substack brought up a great point. 
that he thinks Michael Jordan hated Scott Burrell because Scott Burrell was drafted by the Mariners. He was a baseball player, got drafted out of high school, and Michael Jordan knew that Scott Burrell was a better baseball player than him. And just <laughs> I love that. I fully, I fully buy that's, that now. That's so real. That's so real. Because because Jordan, 100% Jordan knew about that when Scott Burrell was before he made the Bulls because it was talked about all the time. And then when the Bulls traded for him, because the Bulls hadn't traded for anyone in like since Rodman at that point, basically. So he was like the first new guy on that. That's part of why he got picked on. There was no this thing going around Twitter right now about Jordan trying to pick on Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was the only new guy on the team that was in between. And the other new guy was Bison Daly who was there for a week and a half. There was no new guy. The only new guy in the 96 team was Dennis Rodman. And the new guy on the team the year before that was Michael Jordan. So Scott Burrell was like the first guy to get picked on. But right. when they traded for him, that baseball anecdote was in the second line of every – the one time drafted by the – because I think the only – he was drafted like by the Mariners out of high school and I think again by the Yankees out of college. But he turned it all down to keep playing at UConn. And, yeah, there's no way Jordan didn't know that. I mean, yeah, well, number one, first of all, I'm 100% subscribing to this belief now. Like, that that's a stone-cold <laughs> fact in my mind. There's no speculation here. Has also, number be. two, I mean, we we know Jordan is a, a – a, you know how he is, right? Like, he has <laughs> to find some way to motivate himself. And that the Scott Burrell thing was, you're a better baseball player than I am, so I'm going to make your life hell. Yeah, I'm fully on board. We know how he is. Tad, you're so media trained. I'm so proud of you. I'm sorry. Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of being. We know how he is. Yep. And, and Burrell was a was a pitcher too, which I didn't. I, I knew he was drafted. I knew, but I thought he was a position. I don't know what I thought. But like the fact that he wasn't, if he was a position player and a hitter, you know, him and Jordan could go out to a do BP. They could they could get into the White Sox park and and get some. You know, they could settle that right. And everyone's gonna have their day in the cage. And like Jordan could go in there. It's just like golf. And he could win that last one and they could walk off forever and never play again. But when it's a pitcher, it's different because pitchers are really good at being pitchers. <laughs> and Scott Burrell was always going to strike out by Jordan, like no matter what, because the A-level pitcher is – uh, that had to be it. That just had to be it. My mind was blown when he said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm same. I'm, I'm fully in on this. Sounds so thanks for sharing that. Sounds feasible. Well, Tad, we got anything else? No, no, this has been, this has been very fun. This has been very enjoyable. Well, thank you, Kelly. Per usual, I'm having a time of my life. We've, we've always enjoyed your, your presence on the podcast. Welcome back again. You're the first four time guest in NBA history. You're also the only two time guest in NBA history. So thank you for both. No, not those. true. We had, we had, we had Matt. Oh, Hoover that's right. We had Matt from Tangata. We've had, that's right. We've, that's right. we've had, we've had Matt Hoover on three times. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, definitely the most most musically inclined of our guests and what a way to end today's podcast listeners and your your podcast is the reason that my phone couldn't do an update the other day uh, everyone <laughs> subscribe to this i i thanks for having me on i i'm genuinely not sick of, of talking about this because it was a unique experience i like i i do not feel like i'm just some ancient guy talking about a team it was great it was a super weird team it was it was like truman show weird at time like who was writing this dumb stuff like this is all too silly and obvious but it's actually he's got the flu really okay okay do we not need to add any more totems to this legend 
but it's I'm 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 having the time of my life talking about it. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh, it's a it's a weird thing to all come together as a nation to have fun with at a weird time. It's, it couldn't have turned out better with the memes. Absolutely. Kelly, let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can read you, where they can listen to the soothing tunes by Mr. Dwyer himself. And we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, the second arrangement is a sub stack. Uh, it's, it's subscription based. And, uh, but you know, email me at kdonhoops at yahoo.com. If you want to talk about maybe uh, having some fun, getting in some, uh, some of these free, Last Dance Eps. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, where I'm just basically talking about that and retreating some great work. Uh, but God, it is, it is, in spite of it all, it is a really good time, I think, to be a fan of following all this stuff, because everyone, I think, is, is offering very nuanced, yeah, there's some silly stuff out there, but I'm, I'm really happy with how everyone is handling what could be a very silly and over-the-top uh, thing like Chicago Bulls. Amen. Tad, let's plug and let's get out of here, dude. Cool. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Tad Hall underscore. All right. You can follow me at J underscore Keyless on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow NBA at NBA Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, also, give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Give us a subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your mom's friend. Her friend's friend. Uh, tell anybody. That My mom think. listens. That's true. We have at least, <laughs> I don't know that we're a mom-centric podcast, but like we definitely have a very <laughs> mom-heavy audience. Um, thanks to Tad's mom and probably all her mom friends. So thanks, Tad mom and, and all your mom friends. Uh, all right. Well, for Tad, for KD, for Jay, this has been NBA. And we're out. See ya.